Welcome to Dad Pod. I'm Osher Ginsberg. That's Charlie Clawson. And uh, somehow I did convince my wife to, to marry me despite how completely nerdy I am. And we are just two dads who couldn't really, we couldn't find any decent content around impending fatherhood. Uh, no. So we just, and you know, kind of ongoing fatherhood that wasn't just like the dumb dad in the ad who forgot to do the thing. So we decided to create this show. Every episode, there's things that you can use. There's insights that we always learn something. And if you just found out you can go to be a dad, you maybe want to maybe go back to the start and and listen to us when we were well slept, had free time. (laughs) (laughs) That's about it. How's your week, Charlie? How's how's things going with you, bud? Uh, It's been good. It's been a good week. I took Iona to see ballet, which she absolutely loved. In fact, that was the great joy. Like, I think, you know, people often talk about when you have kids, you get to rediscover a lot of things that you enjoyed as a child. You know, you can't wait to show them the TV shows and the movies that you loved. But there's then there's the added enjoyment of watching them enjoy the thing that you enjoyed. Yeah. So we didn't know how she was going to go. It was a two-hour, like, ballet. Yeah. And, you know, we're like, oh, this, at 6 o'clock at night, this might be right, pushing it right on the edge. But she loved it. She was absolutely enraptured. And because it was amateur theatre, yeah. th- th- you didn't sort of have the guilt of, oh, now she's talking and, you know, she's almost heckling at one point, sort of yeah. like yeah. yelling out things to the, the ballerinas on yeah. stage because she's you. getting so excited. But, yeah. yeah, exactly, that kind of stuff. But it was great. It was really, really good. And she was just – she just loved it and it, it was – I think Gemma is much better at this kind of stuff than I am. Like Gemma is all about let's give her a bunch of experiences, you yeah. know. Like I had a first horse riding lesson on yeah. on Sunday. Gemma grew up riding horses, and so we've got friends who have a property with horses. So there's all these things which I'm like, I feel like when I grew up, it was just there's the TV, there's the backyard, there's the local park. That was the kind of length and breadth of yeah. the experiences I got to have. But I feel like with Iona, she's already quite a cosmopolitan kid you know she's traveled quite a bit she's been on airplanes i didn't get on airplane until i was 12 years old you know she's having horse riding lessons she's got to see ballet like this is the, none of the stuff that i got to experience at her age yeah. and, and and she's getting well, all they, of it. you know we've, we've spoken to dietitians on this show in the past and they've always said just give them as many flavors as you can just give them give it all to them let them have mm-hmm. it all and it's the same with experiences and that and, and actually wolf and audrey and i did the similar thing with uh, with wolf we took him to the theater to go and see a uh, one of those holiday plays we went and see we went to see room on the broom live and um it was all very exciting we we got there to the seymour center in sydney where the very oh. first australian idol top 100 happened and i'm like and this is where guy and shannon got you know put through to the top 12 and wolf is like what's this big room with all these strangers and why the fuck is it now dark? Where's that nose coming from? He was <laughs> not. Now's a fucking dragon. Oh, he wasn't into it. Well, it took him a while. Oh yeah, it took him a while to get onto it, but it was uh, it was fun. It, he had a, he ended up having a having a pretty good time. Well, your family was smaller than mine, so I figured that I missed out on a lot of these opportunities just by economics. Like, there's no <laughs> way that we could do interstate trips because my parents couldn't afford to pay for nine kids to go on a flight somewhere. Yeah. We didn't go to restaurants a lot because my parents couldn't afford to take us all out it's to dinner. It's a whole plane back in the days. It's like an entire Ansett Airlines jet. <laughs> 11 people. <laughs> exactly. We're full, sorry. 
back in the day, it was the Wright brothers who were flying and flying the planes <laughs> as well. It was that long ago. But did you did you have those experiences because you had like lower numbers of siblings? Your parents took you to restaurants. Your parents took you to theatre. Yeah, there was there was four of us, and then there was you know, my grandma. And at one point, there was four adults and four kids living in the house because one of our parents' friends lived with us for a little while. But my my folks were very much like you and Gemma now. My folks were very much like as much as we possibly can. Let's get you in front of you know performance and music and theatre and art and galleries and stuff like that. I'm kind of disappointed that they never took us to sport because they didn't understand it because there was no soccer and that was the only game they understood, being Euros. There was every other kind of football, but they didn't know what it was, so we never went. So I never really had that early kid mm-hmm. love for football or tennis or anything really, but I'm really grateful for all those experiences mm. and it really informed my adulthood really well. So don't worry. I, think, I reckon you and you and Gemma are definitely on the right track. We have been making this show for a little while now and we do like to take questions from our listeners quite a bit and onto the gram we went and we put out a couple of questions, we put out two questions. Today we're going to go with what's your biggest parenting win? And as you become a mom or a dad, as you go along early on, you're like, fuck yeah. You think you you literally feel like you're giving yourself the gold medal. Like the first time I swaddled wolf, we did, we talked on this show about the five S's. The first time I took a screaming caterwauling, you know, wolf off of a, you know, sleep deprived, I haven't rested in a week and a half, Audrey. And I swaddled him, shushed him, rocked him and had him in asleep in a minute and a half. The first time that happened and she looked at me like I'm a wizard. I was like, and that is better than any Logie. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the greatest moment. And from like, what a win. You know, it was like yeah. this incredible win. And and it's the little wins. You kind of stack them up. And what's your biggest parenting win so far? Well, it's, a, it's something that we've talked about on the show before. And it's only a parenting win because I saw it sort of put into practice, which was Iona had a real issue with sharing, you know, and would get very territorial and very possessive over things. And so we had to have a big discussion about what sharing was. And I couldn't explain it to her in, in a way that she would understand. So instead, we just went out for lunch together and we shared a meal. And from that, she was able to get the concept of what sharing is. And then to see her want to share things with other kids or offer to share things with me based off the back of that, I'm like, oh my God, like they really are super learning computers. You know, you, uh, I think we had one of our experts come in and say, you know, you, you model the behavior you want your child to exhibit. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what happened in that instance. Probably been many other instances in which I've modeled terrible behavior, <laughs> which is repeated because she's in that phase now of repeating the last sentence that I say. Like sometimes you don't even know they're listening and you'll say, oh, bugger. And then you'll hear, oh, bugger yeah. in the background. And you're like, oh boy, got to be careful with what comes out of my mouth next. I was, when I heard you tell me that story, I was in a war. <laughs> like that's that's good thinking. Yeah, as, as I said, you know, you get those little wins all the time. And at the moment, Wolf is just in proper bam, bam mode. And Audrey, you know, Georgia was a little girl and Georgia was complete, you know, princesses and ponies and unicorns and like rainbows and that was it. Wolf is like, huh, I've got hands. They're good at smashing stuff. And just goes into, you know, like a D9 caterpillar just through the living room. <laughs> and, you know, I look at him and I go, well, that's why I saw so many parents when I was a kid just lift up a toddler by the knee upside down and just flail them in the middle of the supermarket for touching things and pushing things over because mm. they have no impulse control. The part of their brains that stops them when you say, mate, please, that, that's going to break if you push it and they push it and it breaks. Mm. The part of their brain that recognises what you've said and then acts on it doesn't work properly. Yeah. And 
understanding that has gone a huge way to honestly controlling my emotional state, my behavior and, and my ability to help him learn what to do next. And so when I see him doing that, just going on like just baby destructor mode, oh, Wolf, you look like you really want to do something with your hands. Let's build some Lego and then smash the spaceships. Yeah. And then yeah. that's the next half hour we're good rather than just all the books off the bookshelf and all the pot plants tipped over, which happens. But I can't be upset at him because the mm. little brain, the bits of his brain that stop him from doing it don't really function properly yet. And yeah. that's a, it's hard to remember. <laughs> yeah, especially in the heat of the moment. Like it's when they're doing the backbends and stuff. Like that's the – in garnering questions, you know, and comments for this episode, I was really interested to sort of see there's quite a few people who had questions or – comments around the idea of ego mm. and how you control your ego in the instance in which your child is either having a full-blown tantrum like that or when they're rejecting you for the other parent or whatever it is. And that to me, I think is the biggest challenge. And the thing that I find I, I struggle with the most is like even last night, like Iona and I had a really good afternoon. We were cuddling on the couch. She told me she loved me. She told me I was the best daddy in the whole world leading up to dinner I said, so I'm going to do bedtime tonight. I'm going to do bath and bed. And she's like, yeah. And she's gone, we're going to have a cuddle because I love you, daddy. And I'm going to go to sleep on my own. And I'm like, this is great. And then we jumped into the bath together and it's all going. And then something happened where suddenly she started throwing toys at my head. That became the game. And then I was like, hey, you know, that, that's not great. And then, then the bit of like rebellion sort of formed. And then I was like, okay, well, let's give you a clean. We'll get out of bath. And then she didn't wouldn't let me clean her. And then it was like, no, I want mum. And we had gone in the space of an hour from, I love you, daddy. Let's have a great cuddle. I'm going to go to sleep on my own To Not you. You're yeah. not allowed in the room. Get yeah. out of here. And I was like, what happened? Like an hour ago. And I even was like saying that to her. I was like, but I don't understand. Like an hour ago, you remember you said you loved me and that we we're going to have a big cuddle and that you're going to go to sleep on your own. And Jem's like, you can't. Like, don't try and rush the no. Like, what are you trying to do? You are not talking. This is not someone you can negotiate with. And also, you know, you're getting closer and closer to yeah. sleep time. So she's getting less and less rational. But that that to me is the, the, the one thing I always have to check myself on is like, I get kind of sulky and sullen when I get rejected, oh, you know, or sulky and sullen when something that worked yesterday doesn't work today. It's the person you love most in the world. I know you love Jen, but you love your kid in a different way and more purely and more intensely than anyone and to be rejected by that. Yeah. But you're right. You just got to keep, you got to remember as the, there's a countdown to good night and sleep happens every second that passes their, their tolerance for, you know, <laughs> rati more. rationality yeah. just vanishes it like sands through the hourglass. <laughs> and then eventually it's just, there's no, you can't get upset at it because they're little bits of their brain that allow them to have emotional regulation, just have stopped working entirely. And it's it's really tough. We're taking your questions. We we got a couple of great comments on the on Instagram asking what has been your biggest parenting win? This one actually starts, it kind of picks up where you were, were talking about earlier, picks up where you left off. Carter says, my daughter is such a kind, caring, compassionate kid. I was an utter asshole and bully. What a win. Can you think about what's had to happen for that to occur? Because the kid just copies mm. what they see, right? Well, I guess that's almost like what we do when we become parents, though. Isn't it a chance to kind of 
undo or redo the things that we felt we were denied or the affection that we weren't given. I mean, I know that's a, a strong motivation for Jem, you know, because her parents separated when she was young and, you know, they struggled for money a lot in her early years. And so that is something that she is determined not to happen with Iona. There's two ways of looking at it. One is like, well, look, your child shouldn't just be a social experiment <laughs> where you try and like go back in time and, and and undo all the wrongs that were done to you. But I do think it is a great way to kind of use the lessons of the past to create a better future. Without a doubt. And it's certainly an opportunity to recognize and you hear them coming out of your mouth and you, you, you feel your body doing things that you <laughs> saw your parents do. And you go, wait, wait, hang on a sec. Am I doing this because it's the right thing to do or am I doing this because it's the only thing I know how to do, which is yes. two people that I perhaps don't agree with their parenting style? Ah, in that moment, you have an opportunity to rewrite it and you have an opportunity to have another crack and you have an opportunity to make a different choice. And for Carter's kid to be a kind, caring, compassionate kid, if your kids are mirrors to you, Carter, that means you have done a heap of incredible work and they are simply copying what they see. And that's a lot of commitment and good for you. And that's a real, for me, that's been a humongous blessing mm. since George has come into my life. Just, you know, I'm a selfish prick at the best of times, but since George has come into my life, it's like, oh, it's no longer about me. I have to, yeah. uh, I actually have to make choices. I can't finish all of that food. I'm actually going to have to leave some avocado for lunch tomorrow. <laughs> you know? Do you find though that, that being a parent, those choices of, of sort of putting someone else first, like prior to becoming a parent, I remember thinking, oh, like, how am I going to do that? Like, I'm so used to putting my career and my needs first. Mm. Like, it's going to be a real, like, tough, conscious decision. But then you become a parent and it it becomes unconscious. Like, it actually, it's it's a weird, look, I'm, I'm sure there are some parents who aren't, you know, maybe deadbeat dads and stuff who, who maybe don't put their kids first. But for, for me, I've found that it actually hasn't been much of a conscious shift at all. You just instinctively want to put that child first. Like, you know, even taking Iona to the ballet, I have no interest in going to see ballet. Like it does not, especially pro-am, you know, come on, at least if I'm going to go, take me to the pros. But Give me a principal at least. Uh, Give me someone who's in line to go to Berlin. Come on. But, but the, it's that joy of making that child happy or seeing them safe or seeing them warm, you know, like yeah. I was talking to a friend we caught up on Sunday. She's got a toddler, th three years old, and he's a handful and she is a single mum. And she was sort of saying, you know, it's so like stressful and, you know, he missed his nap today. And, and I said, yeah, but isn't it amazing how they can drive you incredibly insane? But the minute they go to sleep, you look at them and you're like, oh, they're perfect. <laughs> they're perfect. You're, you're absolutely right. Uh, this is from Scansig. I have no idea uh, if, if that's a real name or just completely made up. S K N. Are they related to Glenn Danzig? Because that would be awesome. <laughs> yeah, Scansig and Danzig, closely related. Mother. Uh, he says, being called the swaddle master by the midwife at the hospital was my greatest parenting win. That's something oh, you can identify with, isn't it? High five, Scansig. High fives. The swaddle master. Boy, that's like if when the midwife gives you kudos. And when you've been a parent for less than 36 hours, that's right up there. That's something that I, I never mastered the swaddle. I, I have to admit that there was, Jem allowed me to swaddle a few times and then I would come in and see her redoing the swaddle. So <laughs> yeah. it was just, I'm not, but I've, I've got these short stubby, 
Irish hands. They're, they're not very like not good at finesse. I'm just not Be careful. Very... They're perfect for tucking it around the sides no, of the bum. No, no, you need you need nimble little fingers for that. Like I'm, not, I'm good for digging things and mashing things. You know, give me some play-doh, great, no problem. But yeah, not very good with the with a nimble swaddle. Man, that's if you are yet to become a dad or you're a new dad, if you can get that swaddling down like a nice solid little baby burrito swaddle, everyone's going to have a better time. Baby, mum, you, brothers, sisters, uncles, aunts. If you hand a relative a well-swaddled baby, like you've already done 90% of the work because they're like, I don't care, I'm being held and I'm tight and I'm, you know, I'm being moved. This is great. But if you hand a relative an unswaddled baby and they're flailing everywhere. Yeah. Oh, meltdown. It's yeah. going to be a bit gnarly. <laughs> Stitch 2. This is a great one, Charlie. Stitch 2. Stitch 2 has uh, written- Much better than Stitch 1. A yeah. vast improvement. <laughs> yeah. Stitch 2 has older kids. Um, Stitch 2 has written, my biggest parenting win was being the person that my 16-year-old called when her friend thought that she was pregnant and needed oh. help. So rather than go to the, the friend's mum, her daughter and her friend called her to talk about what happens now. And that is, uh, that's got to be huge. That just shows years of trust, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, you're the cool parent. That's the, uh, <laughs> that's the, what I take away from it is like, you're the one that they feel like they can talk to because you're not going to freak out. You're going to be irrational. You're the cool parent. And that is an ambition of mine. I doubt it's going to happen. I think um, Jem's much more, if you had to do a personality profile, Jem's much more inclined to be the cool parent. <laughs> I'm much more inclined to be the stickler. But that, that is an ambition, to be the cool parent that my teenage kids can come to and say, hey, we're in a bit of trouble. Can you help us out? Well, it shows that you've built up a, a level of trust of, you know, and you mean it when you say it, no matter how much trouble you're in, if you, as long as you tell me, we'll figure it out and we'll sort everything else out later. Mm. That you mean what you said, you know, and that whatever's happened up to that point, you have proved your your trustability. Trustability? Trustability? You trustworthiness. You, reliability. You've, sh you've shown your reliability in that case and whether your daughter's got in trouble or she you know, needs extraction from a party that is drinking at, even though she said there was no drinking, and you have shown her that, I mean what I say, it's going to be okay, I just want you to be safe, that she is vouching for you going, no, 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 my mum's going to be cool about this. She'll know what to do. Yeah. There were guys that in my school that had gotten people pregnant. Yeah. You know, it's, it's going to happen. You know what? They're Catholic kids. They're never going to have sex. Are you fucking joking me? Oh, the Catholics on, love it the most, mate. They, love <laughs> they can't Says wait. Charlie, the youngest of nine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I've got a parenting win here from uh, Chris who says, my biggest parenting win is my daughter loving to read. And this one is something that is close to my heart. My older sister, her daughter's now 11. And the first bit of advice she gave to me is she reads to her daughter every night or read to her daughter every night when she was young and fostered a great love of reading and, and love of books. And so we read to Iona every night, if not multiple times a day. She loves books and she loves reading. And it was a bit of a concern. Jem and most of her family are quite badly dyslexic. And Jem was really, really concerned that Iona might be dyslexic as well. But so far, she appears not to be her memory is outstanding and she's already starting to recognize words and last night and I don't know, well, I know it was more memory-based than word recognition, but Iona read a sentence, which was incredible. A book that, you know, we read a lot, a Dr. Zeus book, and she obviously knew the rhymes, but we went through each word and pointed them out. And if I can give Iona a love of books and a love of reading, because 
as a nerdy little boy, that was such a great escape for me and relief. I, you know, I love playing sport and I love playing outdoors and stuff, but I did also love going to the library on a Friday night. Good Catholics would get fish and chips on a Friday night because no red meat, Osh. <laughs> Dad would go one of the fish and chips, then we'd have half an hour in the library where he could pick out some books and then we'd come home lie in front of the fire in the living room, eat fish and chips and read books. And honestly, like that is some of my happiest memories. And so if Iona can um, develop her imagination and her and her love of reading as well, then that will make me very happy. Your Friday nights sound exactly like my Friday nights, except instead of fish and chip, it was Pizza Hut. And instead of fish and chip shop, it was a man delivering it. And instead of library, it was a video library. And I was like, you get a dollar weekly each, kids, and one year release. And that was our Friday night, was watching Chuck Norris movies. Well, you had a VCR, la-di-da, look at you. <laughs> you had a fireplace. <laughs> oh, yeah, good point. <laughs> so actually on that, on, on books, on Dr. Seuss, you know, there's some books that maybe don't translate to the modern age pretty well. And for me and for our family, at least, at least Wolfie, Dr. Seuss books, we were reading Cat in a Hat, the first Cat in a Hat. And as we read it, the premise of the Dr. Seuss books, we went through Cat in a Hat, we went through Fox in Socks, we went Cat in a Hat comes back, and Green Eggs and Ham. Mm. The, the premise is this person's having a really fine time just by themselves. Then a stranger comes in, just completely <laughs> breaks their boundaries and That's forces true. them to do things that are really uncomfortable and horrible and they, they do not like at all. And as I'm reading each one of these books, Wolf's getting more and more distressed. Like, these people, are, this guy's in their house and he's fucking shit up. He's, he's making him eat these. He's putting him on a train. He's, fuck, there's a thillion frings with things. This is, and Wolf is getting more and more distressed because, and I was like, maybe no Dr. Seuss. There's a couple of books actually, and it's funny we talk about this. There's a couple of books where we're rearranging Wolfie's room and there's a few that people have given us. I'm like, this is shit. This yeah. is fucking shit. Oh it's God. a bunch of clip art pasted together with a, a rhyme that is fucked and it doesn't say anything. I hate those ones. And they've sneakily gone into the recycling. You know, Just, you know, they're not even worth giving away. There's so many celebrity authored children's books that I'm like, this is fucking garbage. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I'll, I'm going to call out Fergie. Sarah Ferguson, the uh, former Duchess or the, the current Duchess, I don't know, has a series of kids' books which are like, who gave you money to publish this? This is. Terrible, absolute terrible. And there's a series of these. And I'm like, this is not fair. There's probably genuine children's authors out there who would do, would do a much better job. But because you've got the, the name, they've given you the book and it's terrible. The last thing we need is more fucking celebrity children's book authors because I've read some of them and they are fucked. Speaking of which, Charlie, I think Dad Pod has a real chance at releasing <laughs> a children's book. We're celebrities and we can put, I think we should do it. We should put a series out. We can plan the animated series and the movie and the backpacks and the toothbrushes. <laughs> totally. um, in fact, I think we should take an ad break and have a production meeting. Uh, we'll be back with more of your questions in a moment. This is Dad Pied. I'm Osha. That's Charlie. We are the future Hello. authors of Lani Barty's Smelly Potato Farm, <laughs> uh, which we talked about uh, in the ad break. Coming out through HarperCollins, uh, we'll be ready by Christmas, which will be amazing. We asked for your questions on Instagram. What's your biggest parenting win? Some interesting ones coming through now. Apps has written, my biggest parenting win? Brainwashing my children to love Adam Sandler movies. Oh, I uh, that's something I identify with. I, I mean, I'm assuming your children are a bit older than than Wolfie and, and, and Iona, but that's something I'm looking forward to. Like, what's the first film 
when Wolfie's old enough, what's the film you're most excited to show him? The film that you love most as a kid? Oh, Pulp Fiction. Oh, what? <laughs> Not even a kid's film. You're just going to go straight <laughs> into it, the- <laughs> Is this dancing? There's fast food. Uh, okay. All right. So you're going to scar him for life by showing him Pulp Fiction. The gimp scene is going to have a lot of questions attached to it. There's baseball. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a kid's film that you want to show him? Is there like a Willy Wonka or a Bad News Bears? No, nah, or... without it, no, nah, man. Princess Bride. As soon as oh, he's yeah. old enough, Princess Bride. I tried to watch Princess Bride with G, but G was kind of already a little. She was 11, 12, and by that point she was like, you're my stepdad and therefore anything you show me is shit. Yeah. And right. um, she wasn't into it, even if she might have been. But, yeah, The Princess Bride, I reckon it still holds up. There's some older films that they just don't cut fast enough. You know, you watch a new movie and there's an edit every second and a half two seconds you know in a big action movie yeah, or whatever yeah. it's fucking intense and so if you're watching these like films so for example with princess bride and there's these long single mid you know kind of close-ups with no reaction shots and we're getting nerdy filmmaker talk here but you know there's, if that doesn't cut away for like 10 seconds the kid goes what's that it's fucking was that rain Wow, that's awesome! I can hear it. I can oh, actually, raining. I can actually hear it. That's lovely. That's wow. lovely. Uh, but yeah, Princess Bride, Charlie. Princess Bride. Yeah, I think I w- I'm keen to show Iona Willy Wonka, not the Tim Burton remake, Charlie. The, the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Oh fuck, that's grim. Yeah, like, it's, I know. It's scary, but it's uh, but like I think that my I my memory of that film growing up was like me and my sisters would watch that all the time, and then we'd also we'd watch it around Easter because that's when we had Easter eggs, and so yeah. it was kind of like almost like when people go to the Blues Brothers or Rocky Horror Picture Show and they dress up in costume and stuff, we would eat chocolates at the same time as the characters on screen were eating uh, their chocolates. Well, actually, Blues Brothers is something I'd love to show Wolfie at some point. I mean, yeah, there's Nazis, but yeah. they. The nincompoop Nazis. Taryn uh, says her greatest parenting win was her daughter asking for Van Halen during daycare dance time. Yeah, Iona was a big Van Halen adopter early on. Panama was her song of choice. In fact, yes, Iona and I did a little job together uh, for Westfield, and uh, they—it uh, was me on set with Iona, and they wanted Iona to, you know, keep her energy up. And they said, "What should we play? The Wiggles? Should we play, uh, you know, High Five? And I said, "No, no, just crank up Van Halen." And you know what? Iona loved it. She's grown out of Van Halen, which I don't know what that says about me because I still love a bit of Van Halen. But yeah, when you when your kid adopts the music you like, that feels like a massive win. I have to thank Cam Knight for this, a uh, friend of the show, Cam Knight, who's been on a few times. Cam Knight introduced me to the Perth power metal band Silent Night, K-N-I-G-H-T. And Cam was right. When we jump in the car, hey, Wolfie, you want to listen to Bluey on the way to daycare? And he says, Dragon Song? Because <laughs> the cover of Silent Night's Conqueror and Command is a fucking dragon. And we put on Dragon Song and it rips <laughs> it's fucking we only listen to it mum's not in the car yeah. mum's never in the car when we listen to dragon song but yeah we we listen to silent nights conquering command and it's 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 pretty epic it's we can only do it it's pretty intense though so we can only do it in uh in measured doses but when we sing along he, he copies me. So when we sing along, Charlie, I've got him doing the holding the empty chalice over oh, the, you amazing. know, <laughs> you know, holding the empty chalice to the sky as he's hitting the big notes like Bruce Dickinson style. I'm just going to get him a gauntlet for his next birthday <laughs> and we'll be right there. <laughs> 
I've got another one here. Uh, this is from not necessarily a friend of the show, but friend of ours, uh, Scott, uh, who's an old mate of mine and, and uh, whose uh, kid also goes to swimming lessons with Wolfie. Yeah. He's a uh, Glaswegian and he <laughs> says, when the kids swear in Scottish accent, fucking is particularly accurate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when the when the kids copy your swearing, I mean, it's happened to all of us. But when Scott says the word, I've heard him say it. He says it with a triple O. Yeah, yeah, it's fucking, 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 fucking. Do you think it would be weird, like, if Audrey, I um, say, was American and you were living in the states? Do you think it would be weird to hear Wolfie grow up with an American accent? Oh, yeah. My nephews, because they watched so much YouTube when they were little, their R's were American for a long time before they started school. Right. It was weird, really weird. My mate who is in that situation, he's married to an American, lives in America, and uh, his kids have grown up in the States, so they have American accents. And he says when they want to mock him, they do his own accent back at him. They're like, oh, gee, Dad, you want us to go outside, do you? Oh, oh street, mate, blimey. Oh, fuck. Oh. <laughs> and he's like, that's kind of racist. <laughs> that's brutal, but excellent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's really hard. Oh, I love it. I love it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that's a win, Scott. If your wife's not around, it's probably a win, but if your wife's around, it's probably not a win. I've got one more. If you've got one more after yeah. this, then that's cool. But this one, I really relate to this. Jed's has written, biggest parenting win, Commando rolling out of my toddler's room so she wouldn't wake to the creaky floorboards. Uh, you live in an old house. bloody creaky floorboards. Mate. I live in an old house and it is Indiana Jones yeah. looking for the golden idol, trying to find the pathway. Are this in a quiet place? No. The, the premise of a quiet place is that the planet Earth has been overtaken by these aliens with super sensitive hearing. So the slightest noise will bring them to your house in an instant. <laughs> and so this family are living in this old house and they can't talk, but they have circled all the floorboards in chalk where, the, where it's likely the creek. So you have to walk over the floorboards and avoid the chalk circles. And it's like, I'm this close to doing that in Iona's bedroom because the amount of time just like, oh, she's asleep. And then I'll get up and it's like, God damn it, you sold me out, house. <laughs> dad, dad. Yeah. It does oh. that. It chases me to the door. The thing is, Charlie, with all the rain recently, the wood has swelled and shifted. So our formerly safe zones are now different. So oh, no. the other day I was like, fuck this. I went downstairs, I grabbed the driver and some, I don't know, like 46 mil wood screws and just went, <laughs> and I just re-screwed Did all these fucking things. I rolled up the rug and I just bolted these fuckers down into the, oh into the cross beams because like, this is bullshit. I'm, I, we can't leave the room. He's like super sensitive at the moment. His ears, he's, unless we wait till he's super asleep, you know, about 45 minutes later, we can't get out. And so, yeah, Geds, I know what you're saying. I'm yet to do the commando roll. I've just gone Ryobi and just <laughs> bolted the stuff to the bolt. Well, that's your biggest parenting win is getting all bloody Tim the Toolman Taylor. Mate, when when in doubt, throw horsepower <laughs> at a problem. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Have we got time for one more? One more Go, yeah. uh, parenting win? This Absolutely. is from Logan. Logan says, I raised two kids solo. And I set lots of reasonable expectations, and they are now delightful, easy teens. Ah, Logan, that that warms my heart. Firstly, 
Congrats on the solo thing. Congrats on solo wow. with more than one kid because yeah. I occasionally parent solo with one and I'm like, this is exhausting. The a concept of doing it full time with two just boggles my mind. So well done. That is a parenting win for sure. And the fact that they've grown up to be wonderful, delightful teens fills me with a lot of hope because I'm yeah. praying that all the good work I'm doing now, all the love I'm putting in and the attention and the care will come back and, and be repaid when she's a teenager. Uh, epic logan i mean you can keep the kids alive and yep. safe and happy yeah that's a good point but good. To win, also win already. <laughs> make sure the dishes are done and the laundry's made and you know the house is running they have three jobs and to do them all by yourself and then double it with another kid audrey did it with georgia when georgia was little uh she was 23 when she had georgia that's amazing logan wow that is an absolute win. There was a moment, Logan, and I hope it comes for you soon. There was a moment at George's 18th, Charlie, when uh, we were in a, at her dad's uh, farm and we were in, you know, his shed where, you know, set up a PA and there was, you know, there was probably, I don't know, 80 kids that all driven 300 k's away from Sydney to be there. And there she was. She was 18. And everyone sang, everyone sang happy birthday and me and Audrey and her dad and her stepmom. We all kind of looked at each other and went, there we go. We did it. Out into the world. It was this moment of like pushing the boat away from the dock. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I do Viking, believe she'll, keep, she'll return uh, for resupply. I was going to say, is, a, is it a Viking funeral? What are you doing? <laughs> no, you know what I mean. Why is like, this boat on fire, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of which, and I, you know, I know, you know, we've we've spoken about end of life at this point. That is exactly how I want to go, Charlie. And Viking uh, funeral. As like, yeah, as I get older, I'm really hoping that you know voluntary euthanasia becomes law in this country, as well as Viking funerals be an acceptable form of body disposal. Because if you know, when it's my time to go, longboat. Ocean, flaming arrow, boom, yeah. burned. That's how I want it to go. I don't remember who the comedian was, but there was a, a bit for about 20 years ago, a guy who's saying how we should be really euthanizing our elderly population is not through, you know, lethal injection or any of these other kind of methods, but we should be putting them into the stunt community. Because really- Hicks. As Bill a Bill, how do you want your do you want your grandmother to go out dying alone in a bed somewhere, or do you want her to meet Chuck Norris? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be yeah. amazing. I mean, if that's the way I could go out, like driving a car, a flaming car off a cliff somewhere for Michael Bay, I'll do it. <laughs> oh, like John Wick fifteen, starring yeah. Charlie Clausen as Russian number seventy six. Yeah. <laughs> just the old guy in the corner, just with a. <laughs> A pencil, get the, yeah, you know, the John right. Wick pencil treatment. You're just doing your crossword quietly. And then John Wick comes over and gives you the pencils. Kill them with a fucking pencil. Oh, speaking of which, Audrey and I, because we, we finished Killing Eve the other day, and so mm. we've been talking with Russian accents a bit to each other, and Wolf is like, stop! Oh, he's, yeah. not ho he's not okay <laughs> that we're using Russian accents, which is good considering the current situation in the world right now. Yeah, yeah. Hey, that brings us to the end of this episode of, of Dad Pod. The Q&A episode of Dad Pod. DP Q&A, we can call it. The DP I'm Q &A. really worried anytime we use an acronym on the internet that we're unknowingly using some sort of porn search Red acronym yeah. that we don't know. <laughs> well, DP definitely is. Uh, ah! okay. All right. Dad Podgram is where you can find us. We've been answering all these questions from Dad Podgram. We're also at askdadpod at gmail.com. It's been great to hear your parenting wins. Stack up those parenting wins. You build a house brick by brick. You get those little wins on top of each other. As long as you get one every now and again, 
it's going to be all right. Thank you so much uh, for being a part of the show. If this has helped you out, please tell a mate, tell a dad, tell a soon-to-be dad, tell a mum, tell a son, tell a sister, tell a brother. And yeah. big thanks to Andy Marr for cutting up this episode, you legend. We'll see you uh, next time on Dad Pod. And until then, don't touch that. 